now representing Japan, a country which occupied Korea from 1910 to 1945. But every Korean will tell you that Japan, as a cultural and technological and economic example, has been so important to their own transformation. Okay, I just listened mm. to that, and that guy's in trouble? That is horrifying. I have never been more shocked nor saddened <laughs> by any <laughs> analyst's opening ceremony comments that I recall. You're going to have to play that again. Well, I didn't catch the I, controversial part. You want to play it again? It's bad enough we heard it once. <laughs> <laughs> Can I hear it again? I'll listen closer. And now representing Japan, a country which occupied Korea from 1910 to 1945. But every Korean will tell you that Japan as a cultural and technological and economic example has been so important to their own transformation. All right. You just don't want to go there. So you're just not supposed to mention? Well, I mean, would that be like, and here comes the German team. Germany, of course, starting three world wars in a period of 75 years (laughs) between 1850 and 1939. Well, (laughs) <laughs> All right, yeah, you, you just, you gotta... That would be a funny way to do the Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> well, well it, no, actually, here's what it would be a lot like to say, uh, Germany, of course, uh, during World War II, guilty of a number of atrocities, but any Jew will tell you that the German highway system is to be admired and imitated. He spoke for Koreans who got a little tired of 35, year, 35 years of torture, rape, summary executions, just horrific subjugation of their people by the Japanese Empire. It wasn't, you know, that was rough. But listen, the way they, the factories and all, we love them for that. No, you don't get to say that on their behalf that casually. Mm. Because there's an ongoing controversy about Japan not taking responsibility for the horrors of their occupation of Korea. The uh, the so-called comfort workers, they drafted thousands, maybe tens of thousands, I don't even remember. The number of Korean women to become sex slaves to Japanese soldiers. Once again, I don't. were repeatedly raped, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want any of that during open ceremonies. They had rape slaves. They had Korean rape slaves. But they've been a great example for the development of technology and smaller and smaller radios. Katie, back to you. I just want want jumping and skating. Yeah, I know. Why do we need an analyst? Happy smiling. Since when do we have a political (laughs) analyst? I kind of get why that was a good idea. Hey, listen, we're in Korea. We're in the shadow of North Korea. Katie doesn't want to be talking about nuclear holocaust. Why don't we bring this guy in to give a little perspective? But he was just a little glib. So we got a bunch of texts on a bunch of different topics. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Sean needs to get his Ikea on for his big Valentine Day date. Drop leaf tables and chairs that fold up. Any lady not understanding of one-bedroom bachelor decor needs to get the goodbye rose. Nice bachelor <laughs> reference. Wow, nice writing. <laughs> Nice job. It's not a bad idea, but I loathe going into Ikea. I can't stand that store. Why? Because it's a maze designed to keep you trapped in, in, yeah. in, in perpetuity. I, I, I other find than the, that. I find the Minotaur <laughs> at the center of the labyrinth before I find the exit of that cursed building. I know. I know. I just, I'm so amazed by it. It's so over the top. Thanks for the Mr. T clip. Every year on Valentine's Day, my wife and I say to each other with heartfelt sincerity, Happy Valentine's Day, fool. <laughs> That's great. Um, and that, that stat that people spend three and a half hours planning <laughs> Valentine's Day. I didn't spend three and a half hours planning my wedding, this person says. <laughs> I'm, I'm doubting the whole three and a half hours for Valentine's Day preparation. Well, is it, the, is it one of those statistics where you got nine people who spend like 15 minutes on it, then the freakazoid who spends three weeks? 
because they're needy and have a bad relationship. Yay, you're back on in Seattle. No more listening to irrelevant commercials for San Diego something or other. But anyway, we're back on in Seattle. Yes, we are. Yeah, SeaTac. Um, so, uh, Shout out, SeaTac. Couldn't live without us. It's where my daughter lives. I just love... She gets to hear her dad. That's cool. Live on the... She has no interest in her. <laughs> None. <laughs> she heard plenty of me growing up. <laughs> my uh, youngest heard an Plus, ad... Plus, she is a liberal. My youngest heard an ad with uh, us talking on uh, on another station the other day, and it just blew his mind for some reason. I thought he understood what I did, but mm. it's just... Because I started talking, and he looked at me, and I said, yeah, that's me. And he looked, that's what you do? Did he cry? <laughs> he was ashamed. <laughs> and he just seemed to really confuse him. Because uh, it was on his favorite station. It was on, a, like, a country music radio station, and the ad was playing in there. I think that's what ah, blew his mind. Oh, oh, this is something I, I would like. I thought you were just on crappy blah, blah, blah yeah, stations. Yeah, that's pretty much what it was. Oh, my. That's pretty oh, much my. what it was. I'm so sorry. I just loved how CNN was treating uh, Kim Jong-un's sister like Princess Diana because she was less than ugly despite her being the head of a propaganda department and complicit in murder, torture, and slavery or worse. But hey, she's cute, so who cares? She's the snarling face of an unspeakably cruel regime. Please, you saps. If you missed it, we just we we killed them for that. Well, it's seven the seven o'clock hour. I'm thinking NBC has gotten the message and maybe some other media uh, outlets because today on the Today Show, they've got a North Korean defector on talking about how her whole family would be sent to political prison camp for her defecting, and then mm. that's the same for the cheerleaders. Right. So NBC, I think, understands that maybe they went a little too happy, happy, joy, joy on the North Koreans. Well, in reply to our friend Ian Bremmer, I tweeted at NBC, Hey, NBC, let's start referring to the North Korean cheerleaders as political prisoners, because that's what they are. Jack, how did you miss Katie Couric's nearly orgasmic reaction to the Tongan flag bearer, shirtless and oiled up? She was clearly treating him as a piece of meat. Oh, yeah. She she was uh, nearing completion during the telecast. That's more than I need to hear. Well, that was it was pretty obvious. On and on she went. Is Mike Pence sitting stone-faced at the Olympics at all familiar to Dems not clapping at the State of the Union address? I got you. Um, selective outrage. I'm telling you. Back to the ice skating. All right. Now, uh, I don't know if you saw the routine that I'm about to mention. But oh, the, the this person said, Canadians? This person said, I can't tell a triple lutz from a triple toe from a triple axle. I can't either. I don't know which ones would. Oh, no. But or, I can, or a double or a quad, for that matter. But I can tell a Canadian face hat when I see one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're not familiar with this scandal, a Canadian ice dancing pair has a move in their... <laughs> In their routine, which is I have absolute, that move too. Yeah, yeah. Well, me too. I generally don't do it on ice. Um, it's it clearly oral pleasurement. It's weird. Oh God, it's 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 brief. When you, uh, I said earlier, it's like Janet Jackson's ta-ta. Y- when you see it at full speed, you're like, wait a minute, did they just? Wait a minute, honey, flip back. And then if you watch it in slow motion, she mounts up on his shoulders. He buries his face, and she gives the oh briefly. And then they go back to trolling around the ice. It's sickening. This is pretty good. To a Korean, suggesting that the Japanese occupation was a good thing would be like suggesting at an African-American event that, that slavery was great because now you get to live in America. Yeah. It would be it would be similar to that. Yeah. I mean, even if there's some measure of truth to either one, you don't get to say that for them. 
And I'm not going to believe this texture because I got fooled last week. Uh-huh. But we have one texture saying that wife number two with Porter is recanting her story. I don't know. I might have to Google that and see if it's true. Mm. Um, I'm not sure that would make any difference. It's okay. probably a Russian bot tweeting a uh, tweeting at ah, us. Yeah, no kidding. Could be. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting that the Today Show is going pretty big on... Um, are we falling for the propaganda of North Korea? Oh, hey, what am I supposed to take for a cold, for the love of God? Oh, jeez. Oh, I, I promise that right when we come back. Oh, no, don't. Why? Yeah, well, because I don't know why. Keep reeling them in, Jack. Reeling them in. <laughs> it's, this but is listener abuse. It des- I will not be party to it. It deserves a little bit of explanation. It's Jenkum. Take Jenkum for your cold. I'll tell you right, this. Michael? It doesn't work. <laughs> Orange juice sales way up because of the horrible cold and flu season. Mm. And this article in Business Insider is here to say that doesn't do you any good unless you just like the taste of orange juice. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The voice of the West. The Armstrong and Getty Show. In just a minute, America does not care about debt. Polls show, so I'll hit you with that stuff. So, Business Insider got into this as they noticed orange juice sales were up about a percent or so with uh, especially bad cold and flu season. And um, they wanted to point out that studies show vitamin C doesn't do anything either to prevent ahead of time or to diminish during uh, having a cold or flu. But still, a lot of us feel that way. I crave it. So that seems like it ought to mean something. You crave vitamin C? I crave orange juice. Hmm. I often Maybe often you just really need the fluids. Huh? I don't know. But I often really want orange juice. So I don't know if it's in my mind or, or whatnot. But Could be. Um. But the only thing that studies show that actually does anything is zinc, mm. which I also have taken. And, and there are plenty of studies. Zinc, the wonder mineral. Plenty of long, replicated studies that zinc does cut down on the severity of a cold. Mm-hmm. And you can take it when you've already got a cold. So yeah. give it a whirl. Yeah, the lozenges are good. Give you can give you a little upset tummy, though, so you got to deal with that. But, uh, yeah, good stuff. The magnets keep sticking to you. Yeah. There's that, that problem. So, uh, real quickly, yeah, there there appears to be absolutely no truth to the idea that uh, Rob Porter, White House staff secretary's ex-wives uh, accused him of beating him up, um, that they've recanted or anything. That's either, uh, that's probably somebody who's reading some sort of Russian bot news site. Could be. Um, Which and, is and troubling. Believed it. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, when are we talking to that author, uh, the CIA guy who write the, wrote the spy novels? When is that coming up? I believe that's Wednesday. Okay, can't wait, because I'm reading his book. It's great. Absolutely great. Um, anyway, uh, super super into active measures and that sort of thing, how Putin tries to do what he's doing, and it's really interesting stuff. But no, there's absolutely no truth to that. In fact, they're just they're now making the network rounds, saying they can't believe the president implied we're a liar, we're liars, which is not really what he did. I mean, that's a bit of a stretch, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, Overheated, overheated rhetoric is kind of the coin of the realm these days. What everybody does. Oh, hey, uh, saw a, a pair of golden eagles over the weekend. 
I don't know what that in is. In the high Sierra. It's an endangered bird. It's not a bald eagle. No. No, it's not. It's better than a bald eagle. Really? Well, way harder to find them. Way, okay. Yeah, I'm way cooler than people. People like tweeted back, yeah, I saw a bald eagle. No, no, bald eagle. Bald eagles are everywhere. Golden eagles. Amazing. <laughs> so, <clears throat> I've never seen a bald eagle. Well, please. Well, you're just, uh, you could just walk down the street. You'll look see. up. Of course, look I stare up. at my feet. Right, exactly. You look up in the sky, they're everywhere. They're like crows. Um <laughs> But Judy and I are, were sitting there at our uh, walled retreat in the mountains, uh, stockpiling ammunition, freeze-drying food for when the S hits the fan. And uh, we look out the window. I can't remember who saw it first. And some, uh, one of us said, boy, that's a big hawk, because there are hawks everywhere. And uh, then the thing came closer, and we stood up, and we went to the window. And I literally I dropped an S-bomb. I said, holy spit, that's a big bird. And as it got closer, we realized, yeah, the, the wingspan was like six feet just this ginormous bird and a pair of them wheeling in the pine trees and in and out. Majestic, beautiful plumage. <laughs> I know somebody tweet that at us, so I save you trouble. But gorgeous, rare bird, I guess. It's a rare bird. Beautiful. Let the mighty eagle soar. And so Judy and I put our arms around each other, and that's what we sang to each other. So you shot it, and now it's in your trunk. And well, well, we ate it, and it was delicious. <laughs> Uh, from the Washington Post, why did the GOP vote for a budget-busting spending bill? Because voters don't seem to care. Um, another quote from Rand Paul, who spent hours on the floor, was it ooh, Thursday night, I guess. When Republicans are in power, it seems there is no conservative party, said Rand Paul in that weird voice he's got. The hypocrisy hangs in the air and chokes anyone with a sense of decency or intellectual honesty. Well, you get that should you got joking on your hypocrisy. You got to get a little southern accent in there and you'll have it. Um but nobody cares is the whole thing. No, there is no constituency for being responsible. We want like a cocaine crazed Santa Claus hurling presents across the fruited plain as fast as he can 24 hours a day. Just 48% of voters said reducing the budget deficit should be a top priority, according to last month's Pew poll. I'm sorry, what percentage? 48%. That does not rank among the 10 most important issues. And it's a dramatic drop. Not in the top 10? No. And it's a dramatic drop from five years ago when 72% believed deficits were a top priority. So it's gone from 72% to below half in five years. Wow, that is just how mercurial a people are we. It also represents, well, I'll tell you what I think happened there. I think it's Republicans who really cared about deficits when Barack Obama was spending all that money and don't care when there's a Republican in the White House, which is dumb. Yeah. But that's what happened under George Bush also. Um, It also represents the lowest share of Americans' concern about deficits since just after 9-11, and that was a blip. Other than that moment in history, you have to go back to the 90s to find a time when voters expressed expressed so little concern about deficits. So in 20 years, we're at a low point for people caring about deficits, and it's just been dropping that whole time. And I would point out that the deficit is an elephant Compared to the, you know, mouse size deficit of that period. Voters, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, it's if we were if we were at a low ebb of caring, then I could understand it because a few years of good, solid economic growth could probably pay it off and we'd be back on our way. Right now, it will take decades of high taxes and low spending to get back score. Oh, yeah. Tax. And nobody gives a crap. Yeah. No. OK. Uh, voters in both parties have simply discounted the issue. 
41% of Democrats and 59% of Republicans consider cutting the deficit a top priority, both declines of more than 10 points since the start of Barack Obama's second term in the White House. So how about that? We, we've doubled a couple of times the national debt in recent years, and in that amount of time, concern about it has gone down. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you explain that. Do you pay uh, taxes? You owe $170,000 on the national debt right now. Every single, you and your honey, uh, she pays taxes too? You pay taxes too? So that's three hundred forty grand y'all owe on the national debt right now, plus interest. How long is that going to take you to pay off? Well, and, and it's pro- unsecured debt. You don't get to sell your house and, well, we got that much equity. No, that's your credit card debt. You and your honey owe almost $350,000 of credit card debt right now. I think there's part of the disconnect where when I hear like astronauts talk about light years and the numbers get so big right. that I just I say, okay, well, I get there it. Is, it's, there is it's something farther than I'll ever travel yeah, in my lifetime. You can say 100 light years or 1 million light years. It's all the same to me. Right. right? And so Whatever. When, when the debt got to a point where it is more than I will ever be able to pay off in my life, it's all, okay, I get it. It's a lifetime. And I think there might be some of that kind of numbers disconnect happening. I have seen people. That's why I tried to break it down for you, Sean. Were you not hearing me? Did you not listen? <laughs> I broke it down. I have seen break people. Break it down. What? On that same theme, I have, I've seen this, IRL in real life. Um, people who get in such a financial bad situation, they just don't care anymore, and they spend money on stuff they shouldn't spend on because just I'm screwed as it is. Is that where we are as a country? We're just screwed. We're so far in debt, there's no getting out of it, so what the hell difference does it make? We might as well get the stuff we want, whether it's for the military or various social programs or whatever. Is that it? I think that's part of it. Also, we're such a giant, giant economic colossus that folks are continuing to lend us money at pretty damn good rates because they know we'll pay it back. Or at least they're pretty damn sure we'll pay it back, although there is some doubt being sown. And so what we've got is a populace, a voting electorate of people who've been hearing about the terrible debt and how we need to do something about it for years and years and years and years, and nothing bad's happened. Sure, I understand that. Um, so they think, well, that must just be fake talk. Because if you ask the average voter, they don't know jackass about jackass. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's the situation we're in. And the politics of our land is designed to uh, to pander to those people who have no friggin' idea. Yeah. Which is why democracy is a terrible idea. The mob has no idea what it needs. Well, yeah, am I elitist? If that makes me an elitist, fine. So's James Madison! Hmm? Barack Obama was, he called raising the debt ceiling, you know, unconscionable when he was a senator. As president, he was fine with it. Republicans did the same thing. This uh, raising the debt ceiling and spending too much was awful when they were the party out of power. Party in power? Fine. No problem. Join the Libertarian Party. We promise not to run a mental patient the next time. What's what's coming up in your news, Marshall? More back and forth in the now controversial Democrat memo dealing with Russians spying in the Trump administration. And a West Coast lawmaker steps down after sexual harassment charges are lodged against her. Her? Finally. Her? That's a twist. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. (laughs) 
We got some interesting stuff for you this half hour. Let's get to the news with Marshall Phillips. Well, the memo controversy is rolling on. Democrats in the House Intelligence Committee could change a memo on the Russian investigation. California Congressman Adam Schiff, the top Democrat on the panel, telling Face the Nation he will meet with the FBI to discuss possible redactions. President Trump blocking the release of the Democratic response to a controversial (laughs) Russian memo from the Intel panel because of a number of sensitive details that could compromise national security. That quite possibly were put in there on purpose so that he had to block it. So he would look right. So he looks like he's being unfair. Oh, you released the Republican memo and not the Democrat. Which is pretty good, a pretty good ploy, by the way. Yeah, it is because, you know, news, news freaks like myself, we were listening to people saying, yeah, what they're doing reportedly is this. They're cramming it full of stuff the president can't release to make him look bad. And then it happens, but... You know, in the echo chambers and the the Facebook feeds and the rest of it, people will just hear the Trump let the Republican one go, and he wouldn't do the Democrat reply. So, okay, fine. Well, see you at the midterms. Congressman Schiff making the rounds of the talk show, accusing Trump. This Get is a, a president soul. who puts his own personal interest above the national security interests of the country. Lion liar. New York Times reporting that American spies paid out a hundred thousand dollars to a shadowy Russian who was promising to deliver stolen NSA cyber weapons in a deal the Russian insisted would also include compromising information about Donald Trump. Well, now the CIA says the report of the payment to the Russians is fictional. And President Trump has jumped into the fray. He's tweeting, I hope people are now seeing and understand what's going on here, despite his past references to the New York Times' fake news. Drain the swamp! The president tweeted. So Matthew Rosenberg, who wrote the original story for the New York Times that I read on Friday, American spies paid $100,000 to Russian. Um, He's got the follow-up now, right? Yeah. With the CIA saying that's not true. So we're going to talk to him in just a few minutes. Warming up, the U.S. could be exploring more diplomatic options with North Korea. The possibility coming as South and North Korea look to possible direct talks in the wake of a momentary thaw in relations during the Winter Olympics. Vice President Pence now says the U.S. and South Korea have agreed on the terms of further diplomatic contacts with the North, Hmm. setting up possible, possible talks in the not-too-distant future. And we've got a California lawmaker who's decided to take a voluntary, unpaid leave of absence after sexual misconduct allegations against her became public. Assemblywoman Christina Garcia accused of groping former legislative staff member Daniel Fierro after a charity softball game in 2014. He's alleging Garcia stroked his back before touching him inappropriately as he tried to leave. Clearly crossed the line was when her hand dropped down from my back to my butt and she grabbed and at that point I immediately wanted to leave and so I spun around to, to try to walk away and I remember saying, you know, have a great night assembly member and trying to walk and as I did, she dropped her hand and, and grabbed for my crotch. Yeah, he's one of several who, yep. who, who she grabbed their cranks while she was drunked up. You know, it's just so tiring. <laughs> This great crusader for hashtag MeToo is on the cover of Time magazine to the extent that that exists anymore. Slightly related story. I'm looking for a voluntary paid leave of absence. If you guys can improve that paperwork, <laughs> yeah, I really me too. appreciate it. <laughs> it claims under, for, under formal investigation, Garcia says she's going to be stepping away, though, to minimize distractions and avoid appearances exerting influence. What? That's what she's saying. 
She's also saying she does not recall the uh, the incident. No, because she was blackout drunk. That'd be my <laughs> guess. Does she take partial responsibility for what she's done, Marshall? She no. sounds like no. She sounds like somebody who gets her drink on and then goes to grab and crotch. She yeah. doesn't remember it. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. yeah. How about you put out a statement that says, "Look, I get drunk, I grab guys' cranks because I kind of want to get with them." I probably shouldn't have. I'm sorry. I should probably quit getting drunk in public. <laughs> yeah. If I can't uh, stop grabbing penises, I should probably sober up. Sorry. Now that, I'd be on her side if she said that. Not that word salad she unleashed on us. The Joe Getty, yeah, I did it, political consulting firm. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I did it. In your face. Meanwhile, New York's attorney generals filed a civil rights lawsuit against disgraced movie producer Harvey Weinstein, his brother, and their company, alleging new and extensive allegations about Harvey Weinstein's vicious and exploitative mistreatment of company employees. Part of the lawsuit's aim is to ensure the Weinstein company makes provisions, meaning sets aside a lot of money for a victim's compensation fund. Harvey Weinstein would make a good North Korean he ran his company a little like Kim Jong-un runs North Korea as his own personal enrichment slash rape, slavery, etc. He'd have made a good North Korean. You know, if you hate Harvey Weinstein, and you should, um, he has to spend most of his days, I think, meeting with lawyers trying to figure out how to stay out of jail. So that wouldn't be a very enjoyable existence. Nope. Weinstein's lawyer issued a statement arguing that Weinstein has become a scapegoat for Hollywood's treatment of women. Half a billion dollar sale of the Weinstein Company that was just about to happen is now on hold. Oh no, there's plenty of scapegoating to go around. Don't worry, Harvey, and your lawyers. You won't be the last. There you go. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. So we are going to talk to Matt Rosenberg of the New York Times coming up. A pretty interesting story, and now there's a follow-up. The CIA says that's not true, and I want to hear what he has to say about it, because it involves Russians and us paying Russians and... You know, I've been reading a lot about spycraft lately, and uh, this is a great example of it. There are so many twist turns and mirrors and so much fog and the rest of it. It's hard to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but somebody got the $100,000. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Voice of the West. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So the headline definitely got my attention over the weekend from the New York Times. American spies paid $100,000 to Russian who wanted to sell material on Trump. And it's a pretty darn interesting story. Indeed. Later, the CIA says, no, it's the reporters who are swindled, not us. And I'm just befuddled. Well, to which Matt Rosenberg responded, I didn't say it was the CIA. Well, right. There is so much obfuscation and and denials and, and the rest of it going on. It reminds me of spycraft itself. And, Matt Rosenberg of the New York Times joins us now uh, to talk about a, a fascinating story. Hello, Matthew. How are you, sir? Good. How are you doing? Uh, we're good. Uh, we're, we're glad you took a couple of minutes. Can you, you just give us the quick rundown for folks who haven't followed this? 
All right, so it, it's a complicated one. It starts in early 2017. The, the NSA is looking for these hacking tools that have leaked out. You know, it had lost a tremendous amount of some of the most dangerous cyber weapons that it had ever built had, had ended up on the black market in the hands of hackers. So it's out looking for them. It reaches out in Europe, finds a Russian who says, I can tell you everything. I can tell you everything you guys have lost. And the NSA wants this because it doesn't even know what's out there. So if it can get things back and you take a stock of, okay, this is what's missing. This is what we need to protect. And they're like, okay. And the Russian says, but if you buy it, I got to give you all this Trump material too. And they're like, uh, I don't know about that. We don't really want the Trump material. Like that's, we don't spy on Americans. We work for the president. At this point, the CIA is involved. They end up doing months of negotiations. At some point, the the, the Russian is given a hundred grand of, of American money as a down payment. He provided some material, but wasn't really useful. And then he ends up providing a lot of Trump material. The American intelligence agencies did not take any of this Trump material into possession. It's been left with an intermediary they used in Europe. You know, throughout these negotiations, they were working through a what they call a cutout. A private citizen in America who lives in Europe was kind of the back and forth on this. And Just this real quickly, I'm sorry. By Trump, uh, Trump material, we don't mean like Trump steaks or a or a <laughs> diploma from Trump <laughs> University or anything like that. We're talking about like damaging intel, that allegedly. Means, the alleged compromise, as the Russians would right. call it. You know, at one point, they were saying there was a sex tape. Is it true? We don't know. You know? Okay. All right. So and how, so... Go ahead. Sorry. No, you go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say, so this guy claims to be selling computer secrets and, for some reason, Trump porn. And, <laughs> and, and according to your sources, we somehow paid 100 gur for it, but it didn't come through. Is that it, in essence? So, the hundred grand was meant to be a down payment. You know, the way this works is you do a lot of, there's like some attempts to show bona, bona fides and, and then you, then you go on to the point where you give a small down payment in this case, a hundred grand and he's supposed to produce more material. And if he produces everything, he gets the entire million, which is what the deal was, was supposed to be for. After he got the hundred grand in this, in the fall, he started handing over this Trump material, which isn't what he promised. He, they, they wanted those hacking tools. And, um, and, you know, eventually he did not get the million. Eventually they cut off negotiations. And look, it's incredibly confusing and really opaque because, you know, one of the things here, too, you got to keep in mind when dealing with Russian intelligence is that the, the, the line between a Russian intelligence operative and a Russian organized crime figure is often very blurry. And the person they, the person they were dealing with seems to kind of uh, walk along that line. And, How and it, interesting. Yeah, it can be very hard to figure out. Well, and everybody's denying everything at every point <laughs> because it's their job. Yeah. Well, this is the interesting thing. The CIA denial is fairly narrow, and it's on the issue of the $100,000. Look, in our story, we wrote that, that the, the $100,000 was delivered through an indirect channel. We didn't link it straight to the CIA. Um, you know, it doesn't seem it is linked straight to the CIA. So their denial is accurate. It's just sort of denying something that we never wrote. Um, they're not denying much else at this point. Well, so what was going on there, though? Why, why would this... Whoever got the money, why would they say, hey, we're going to throw in this Trump stuff that they weren't even asking for? Was that just an attempt by Putin to get some Trump stuff out there to continue to mess up the election? Or what would all, What was that? That's the suspicion. The suspicion here is that the Russians, you know, have, have, have put us, they've made a good mess of all of us. We're at each other's throats politically. Right. And, and opportunist, they're opportunistic. They're like, well, let's keep going at this. And one way to keep going at that is to feed this information into intelligence channels, into the public if you can get it out there. And then, you know, suddenly there's more disorder. There's more chaos here. You know, uh, there's, I think there's a misimpression out there that, that Putin 
Trump is somehow Putin's ally, and I don't think the Russians see Trump as their ally. I think they see their real goal here is to create disorder and dissension and, and, and undermine America, American democracy. So throwing out this kind of information, this dirt, such as it is on President Trump, um, would certainly serve that goal. Now, is this dirt real? We don't know. Nobody's seen this. The intelligence community did not take possession of the material, so it's never been properly assessed. It's sitting with this intermediary in Europe, and we don't really know what's there. Matthew Rosenberg of the New York Times is online. Listen, I'm a half-wit and, and hardly computer-capable at all, but the other thing that's stuck in my head about this is all, these uh, hacking tools are code, right? Well, couldn't you just, like, make a copy on a thumb drive, then quote-unquote give it back to us? I don't even know what that means. So, so they, they they didn't think they were going to get anything off the market. That stuff, the stuff that's out there is out there. It's never coming back, and it's out oh, okay. in the hands of hackers. What they wanted to figure out is what exactly was missing. Mm. You know, at, at at that point, and I'm still pretty sure now, they don't even have a full sense of what's out there. Now, some of it has been released publicly by a group called the Shadow Brokers, so they know that's been stolen. But they believe there's a lot of other stuff that these guys have. Some of it's very dangerous, and the NSA isn't even quite sure what exactly has gotten beyond its control. So they were just trying to figure out that. Oh, I see. We know they yeah. have virus X1 and X2, but do they have X3? Can we still try to use that on Iran? Okay, now I get exactly. it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Or do we, have to, do we have to warn, you know, Apple, Windows, whatever, that like there's an exploit out there for their machines that we created and, and suddenly now is in the hands of hackers. I know that's not the focus of this story, but that's a big deal, isn't it? That stuff that got hacked from deal. the NSA. It's a huge deal. It's one of those stories that in the past year has kind of almost gone un- under-noticed. You know, Snowden walked out with a ton of material, but he walked out with code words. He worked out. These guys who've gotten these, these tools, they have the actual code. They have real malware. They have incredibly dangerous cyber weapons. And you've seen it used. You know, the WannaCry virus last year that infected British hospitals that shut down factories. That was built off tools that came out of the NSA. Um, and there have been other attacks, too. And, and it's a really serious story. And the NSA has lost control of a tremendous amount of its most closely guarded secrets. Are we any better at, so we develop the best stuff in the world, we think, and then let it get stolen. Are we any better at not letting stuff get stolen now? Um, I, I, I think we all hope so. Yeah. I think the jury's still out on that, you know. I mean, it's, it's one of these things where if you can't guard your own secrets, like why, why, are, why are you in business? What are taxpayers paying for here? And, and this stuff, you know, the CIA also lost control of a bunch of its hacking material as well that, that WikiLeaks now has. And, and there is, has been a, a real problem in the last few years with, with incredibly dangerous cyber weapons built by our intelligence agencies getting out into the wild. So we're trying to get some of that back, <laughs> and somebody says, I can throw in some... We'll figure out what's missing, you know? Yeah, and then, and then somebody says, I can throw in some of the Trump PP tapes if you want to see those. Right. Yeah. right. So, yeah. so Putin and, and his gang, they think, what do the Americans want most desperately? Let's send one of our guys at him. We'll recruit somebody to go at him and tell him, yeah, we can give that to you. Meanwhile, we'll make jackasses out of him. I mean, that's, that's so classic Putin. It looks a little bit like that. I mean, look, in, in, in their defense, for the American intelligence agencies, they had to run this down. You can't sure. not. But, you know, it's a, it's a really tough one. And 100 grand is 100 grand. And the federal government, that's a rounding error. Um, not even. But it, it, yeah, not even. But it is, a really, it is a really tough situation. And I think, you know, the added, added complication here is, is, is President Trump himself, that he denies the entire idea of Russian interference, and he kind of lashes out on any suggestion of it. And that, for, for, for America's spies, makes life a lot harder because they're, they're, they're struggling to counter the interference that's still going on. Well, the president pretends it didn't happen. It's completely inexplicable. 
I have no idea what he's thinking, but oh well. So do you enjoy your work, Matthew Rosenberg? It sounds just fascinating. You know, I so I spent about 15 years overseas in Africa and India and Afghanistan, and I've done some weird stuff. But the reporting for this story, which went on over very many months, has to have been some of the weirdest reporting I've ever done. And it's just, you know... Yeah, you, you run into weird people on the speed of interesting characters. Oh, but, although the phrase, I was in Africa for years and did some weird stuff, really deserves some, <laughs> some teasing out. How weird? Were you like partying with Edie Amin? <laughs> Not that old. Not that old. I'm, well, um, my apologies. <laughs> Matthew Rosenberg of the New York Times. Hey, we sure appreciate you taking a few minutes. We know how busy you are. Good to talk to you. Thanks for having me on. Thanks. Well done. That might be the coolest journalist job in America because you'd have the the travel budget and assignment to oh, chase yeah. all this stuff down around the world and, and, and meet with as many of these people as you can, whether people in our own CIA or Russian spies or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, the more you learn about how intelligence operations actually work, um, and I've loved it, I've always loved it, and, you know, I can recommend some decent books on the subject, but the more, you know, ridiculous the movie Spy becomes... Uh, fun to watch, and I love those movies, but the actual functioning of it is the world's greatest con men. I mean, the, the best liar you've ever known, times five, all running at each other, lying to each other, and and, and occasionally somebody's honest and, and you recruit them, et cetera, et cetera, but it is a hall of mirrors, and uh, and the stakes are very high. A lot of people die if you if you... You think, okay, that's a mirror. No, it turns out the guy, it's the guy, and he has a gun. But that's so weird. So we want we want to get our uh, our hacking tools back. Yeah, and we got this Trump stuff we'll give you. I don't want I, it. I, I, didn't, I didn't ask for it. What are you talking you about? You get the tools, you got to take the Trump porn. What? Why? Because <laughs> that's my deal. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want any Trump porn. I've got a follow-up on that from another, uh, about, the, uh, about the alleged PP tape. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show.